Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. My name is Josiah Kane. Hi, Josiah. Hi. My name is Chuck Jones. You're going to be tricky. I thought you were going to leave everybody in, in mystery this week. Oh. Who's over there talking? The mystery guest. <laughs> uh, this morning, we're at IHOP once again. I had the 2 by 2 by 2 breakfast. Two pieces of bacon, two scrambled eggs, and two pancakes. And I had basically the same thing, but only hash browns instead of pancakes. Yep. It's a pretty good meal. I mean, it with some coffee fills you up pretty good. Yeah. And uh, today we wanted to take a look at Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter. I mean. The Psalms, I don't know if you can really consider it a chapter, but it's a psalm. It's the longest division of, of verses in the Bible, 176 verses. And uh, it likes one kind of topic specifically, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit today. Will you read the first four verses for us, Chuck? Sure. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. So in the first eight verses of Psalm 119, almost every other line shares a kind of a synonym. We see law, we see testimonies, we see his ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments. And it's interesting that all those different words are used. Do, and, do they mean the same thing? Well, I think there's two things going on here. I think the psalmist, for one, doesn't want to be repetitive, like saying the same word every single time. Thank you. So we, we see a lot of different words here. And as you said, are they just synonyms? You know. But I think there's a couple of different things going on. One... I think the psalmist doesn't want to be super repetitive. You know, I, I think for style reasons, there's some different words being chose here. But they also mean different things. They are different words, so they have different meanings. Mm-hmm. Although they might be similar. So, let's just kind of walk through all of the different words. All together, from what I can find, there are eight different Hebrew words used to kind of talk about the same thing. And all of them kind of relate to, I think, what the first word is, which is word or debar. And that is just the, the, the Hebrew words debar. And it's just kind of God's revealed word or his, his spoken word. Anything that proceeds out of his mouth, anything that he says, is considered his word. 
And then I think everything, all the precept statutes, judgments, commands, law, everything else falls into that category because yeah. it's so broad. Well, it's spoken. Right. The next word is an interesting mm-hmm. one. It's a law. That word is used. And the Hebrew word is Torah, which yeah. we when we when we say Torah, what we usually associate with that is the first five books of the Pentateuch. Right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. To the, the Hebrews to Jews, they say that's the, the Torah. Like that's the, like the books that make the, up the law. The teaching. Right. And that's exactly what the verb means. It means teach or direct. You know, that's that's the idea, like, God is instructing us on what he desires for us to do. Well, you know, hold on there, if I might, just sure. a minute. Yeah. God instructing us on what he requires? Well, if you look underneath it a little bit, it's God instructing us on the best way to live. Mm. Yeah. You know, the owner's manual for your car says get the oil changed so often you don't have to right you don't even have to change your oil yeah but that's not going to be the best thing for your car yeah if you got leaky oil you can just keep topping it off and it changes itself (laughs) except for what's left inside but God is has God loves us so much and he wants us to understand correctly the best way to live mm-hmm. and that is according to his law right his teaching his, his teaching. direction yeah. yes his way mm-hmm. yeah and it's um, also kind of has in it this connotation of revelation so kind of like this this opening up when we when we think of revelation I'm not talking about the last book of the Bible, but I'm talking about a revealing and understanding and enlightenment of things. And as you said, God wants to enlighten us on the best ways to live, who he is, what he desires, and his plans. And so when the psalmist talks about how much he loves God's law, you know, he's really saying... God, thank you for enlightening us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for directing us as to the reality of things, to, to opening our eyes to things that are normally hidden. I mean, if you look at other civilizations, even uh, Middle Eastern, like early Near Eastern law, like the Code of Hammurabi, there are some good laws in that things that make sense you know they're like hey you shouldn't steal from people you know people who are in debt have to pay their debt or they go to jail or whatever and there's some good laws but there's also some really 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 bad laws like um yeah i can't remember off the top of my head but something like if a woman's caught in adultery if she to prove whether or not she's really guilty you tie a rock around her or something and throw her into the river and if she makes it she's she's innocent so like you know like there's nothing like that in, in god's law right fortunately right because he he knows the truth you know 
But it's getting that truth conveyed to humans. There's the sticking point. It's not even the conveying as much as it is getting them to actually understand it and love it and follow it. And we have a hard time doing that sometimes. So what are some, some of the other words that we, we see? Well, statutes. Mm. Statutes is found in Psalm 119. Let me see if I can say this Hebrew word, hukim, I think. You got it there, huh? Yeah, hukim. Hukim. Is he a basketball player? <laughs> if he is, he's probably built like a statue. Statutes. Or we might think of them as uh, regulations. Mm-hmm. You know, regulations are an order. Mm-hmm. Not that things are done precisely in order, mm-hmm. but someone gives you an order, right? And you have to carry it out, mm-hmm. or an injunction. Mm-hmm. I don't know the etymology of injunction, but you do it, right? When you, if you ever get one. And the last thing is uh, for statute is like a requirement. Yeah, it's a uh, kind of this idea of um, pulling on authority, like who's giving it. Their authority is the one that has the the weight behind the command. Mm-hmm. And in this case, God is the authority. Yeah. Well, I'll look at Proverbs 8.29. Proverbs 8.29. At least you don't have to go that far. Yeah. This is uh, wisdom talking about God. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew circles on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight. Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and the delight, and my delight was in the son of men. Hmm. Now I think there in verse 29, limit might be the word Hebrew word translated statutes. Yeah, I think it's uh, the verb means to cut or to engrave. So like he, you know, it's like imagine God with a giant chisel setting the boundaries of the sea into the earth. You know, he's cutting in, he's engraving the limits, uh-huh. so to speak, of the ocean, saying this is the boundary. And the idea is this permanency of that. You know, we still have stone tablets that have lasted thousands and thousands of years because they were cut, engraved. Yep. They're quite literally statutes. Like, if you think of a stone statue, that's what it is. It's cut into stone because it's so permanent. Um, it's a it's a medium as long as it's not broken that will last essentially forever. And that's I think one of the connotations to this word that we're we're looking at here. Yeah. 
So the limit of the sea, how far the sea can come, mm -hmm. that's a statute. Mm. And a, re a regulation that God established. And so when you think of statutes, it's not just a, a bunch of orders that we have to take or have to fulfill. Mm -hmm. It is the requirements of good life, good living. There's limits for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Limits for a reason. Yeah, if we go beyond those limits, bad things happen. Think about what happens when the sea goes beyond its limits. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, we get hurricanes, floods, tsunamis, and past the limits that are set, it causes mass destruction and, and chaos and damage. Yep. Kind of a poetic symbolism, you know, Presumably, in, when everything's restored, there won't be natural disasters anymore. But because of sin, even nature falls outside of its, yeah. its prescribed limits and, and causes damage, just like humans do. Yeah. Who knew we were going to get so, uh, so metaphorical today, so poetic? I guess we are in the Psalms, so it's just yeah. fitting. Just and fitting. Anything else you have to say about the word statutes? No. What's another word that we see? Did we do precepts? No, we didn't. Precepts. I think the, the, he the Hebrew word's they... even harder. Pekudim. Pekudim. Uh, that's in verse Psalm 119.4. You have commanded us to keep your precepts mm. dil diligently. Mm. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh that my oh that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. If I keep his statutes then I won't be ashamed. Mm. Yeah, this this Hebrew word precepts Pekudim, according to this, the blueletterbible.org, has uh, this connotation of uh, kind of the influence of an officer or like an overseer who is responsible for closely looking at detail and like making a command on that law. So it's kind of, when we're thinking of precepts, we're thinking of God's kind of the specificity of his commands. So like a precept is something that is like a command directed specific at a, a situation. So it's kind of implying that, hey, God has large commands, but he also has these like these precepts, these smaller things that are pointing at. Yeah, like a general term for responsibility. Mm-hmm responsibility that God places on people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think mandate would work well in there. Yeah. A mandate. What's one of the other words we haven't looked at yet? We haven't looked at judgments. The uh, Hebrew word is mispatim. Mispatim for judgments. And that comes from... Uh, 
Shafat. It's, uh, it means to judge or determine, regulate, order, and discern. So these are things that are judgments or a judge, like imagine someone in a courtroom, like an, a judge making uh, a ruling on a certain kind of word or a certain act or trying to interpret the rules and regulations something that is like discerned something is right and something is wrong so that's kind of the idea of a judgment is that it kind of uh just god has decided what is right and what is wrong so when we think of god thank you for your judgments or your judgments are so great well that sounds kind of when we think judgment we usually think negative that's right, right yeah. like i'm judging you or someone's judging me or you know like we're, we're all being judgmental but and the the truth is when we're looking at the judgments of god what it has done for us is laid out clearly what is right and what's wrong so that we can understand what's right and what's wrong yeah working in a factory there is uh, the process of quality control mm-hmm. now <clears throat> I'm sure that it's possible just to look at a piece and determine whether it's good or not good. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just starting and you've never seen this piece before in your life, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to do that. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, help for that. that Let's just say it's a go, no-go gauge. Okay. So it's got a hole in it, mm-hmm. and it's got a gap in it. And if that gap, if the part can fit into the gap and into the hole, it's good to go. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't go. So... We don't really need to know all of the specific possibilities of this part. Mm -hmm. We've got this gauge, and that's how we can tell whether it's right or wrong. God gives us the wisdom in his righteousness to make determinations. It's not us that's doing it. Mm -hmm. It's based on his righteousness. Right. I, I think back as you were talking, it reminded me, of a time I was helping Tom uh, Sedarius. We were, we bought the snowplow truck a couple years ago and we were loading it up and we were driving it back to the church. And we were loading it up. He's like, hey, Josiah, does it look like it's balanced right on the trailer? You know, because if it's too far back, the hitch is up and then you, know, you, can, you can lose steering and power. And if it's yeah. too far forward, it, you know, it can cause other issues. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have no way of judging this. You know, like, I've never tried to shift weight on a trailer in my life and balance it correctly. I, it looks okay to me, I guess. <laughs> you know, like, I, I had no idea what I was looking for or what it was supposed to be uh-huh. like. Luckily, there's a, the guy we bought it from had been hauling stuff his whole life. And so, you know, he would, Tom was driving the truck on the trailer so he couldn't, like, get out and look for himself. So luckily we had this guy with a lot of experience and knowledge to correctly judge what was appropriate 
for that situation. And so imagine God being this well-experienced, uh, completely knowledgeable being who looks at reality and he says these things are right and these things are wrong. And these are his judgments. Which I think is actually really important to our cultural understanding right now. Our, the cultural relevance that we live in. Because we live in a postmodern world. Some even say post-postmodern. Where truth is becoming ever more relative. Um, people like to, to discern for themselves. The truth is becoming ever more relevant that's true yeah the more relative it gets the truth it becomes more relevant but that's the problem you hear you hear fake news things are unreliable these things are right these things are wrong depending on who you're talking to and it's kind of saying well everybody just pick for yourself and that's the problem if we have no grounding for absolute truth if there's no judgment for what's right and wrong well, then we're all lost well, listen to this from Deuteronomy 25.1. If there is a dispute between men and they come to court that the judges may judge them and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked, then it shall be if the wicked man deserves to be beaten that the judge will cause him to, be, to lie down and be beaten in his presence according to his guilt with a certain number of blows. So there, the judgment, the dispute between people, and you want to fi find out what is the right thing between them. Mm -hmm. Is one person lying? Is the other person lying? Are they both telling the truth? How are you going to tell that? I think Solomon asked for wisdom to be able to determine those kinds of things. Yeah, I think he, something along the lines of asked so that he could collect, co correctly rule God's people. Yeah. So it's doing the right thing according to God. Mm -hmm. There's a right thing according to me, but that's not the right thing according to God, necessarily. Right, and that uh, needs to be avoided needs to be avoided but the good news is by fearing the Lord that's what Proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge by fear there is some some actual fear that comes from that because he's so powerful and so great able to create and destroy but there's also that aspect of honor and reverence and awe so when we respect God, when we honor Him, when we, when we, the the Hebrew word translated fear, when we fear Him in that way, we understand that hey, we should probably listen to Him. We should know what He says, and when we do, we start to gain this understanding, so that we can become wiser. We can become knowledgeable, so that we can make correct judgments, so that we can do things that are actually truly intrinsically right because the God of the universe says that they are. Yeah. Um, and you don't think he talks to us out loud today like he did to the children of Israel? I think he can. <laughs> but I don't think he would say anything that's not already been said. 
you're kind of see what I'm saying? Like oh, he's yeah. he's giving us an instruction. Scripture. Yeah, it says, "I've told you, this is what you need to do. This is the way you need to live." Now he might, you know, give a specific revelation to a situation that we're going through or something. But and I think he does do that. He guides us, but he's given us what we need. I think there's only a couple words left. Testimony. Testimonies. And then there's another word for word. <laughs> um, let's talk about testimonies real quick. So the uh, the Hebrew word is edit. E-D-O-T. Um, kind of sounds like an edict, but it's edot or edit. And... Um, this word is actually really closely tied to the word for witness. So kind of imagine a courtroom once again. You have someone who is a witness of a crime or a wrongdoing, and they're there sharing the truth of what actually happened. Right, and well, what is testimony? It's telling. A witness gives their right testimony. Mm-hmm. I was looking at 2 Kings 17, verse 13. It is oftentimes, it's like the, the prophets wouldn't come out and say anything new. Mm-hmm. It would be reminders about what you've already heard. Yep. A lot of the references from the prophets go back to the exodus and what happened and rebellion that's happened in the past and how God has saved people. And he says... You know, a lot of the prophets are like, hey, just learn from what you've already been through. It's, so it would be, I guess, technically more of a warning mm. yeah. than a revelation. Right. Or you could say that prophet was a witness to yeah. the things that have happened. Yep. So 2 Kings 17, 13... Yet the, it says, Yet Yahweh testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to the, all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed, people. Yeah. You've heard it. I had you write it down on stone. Keep it. <laughs> put it on your forehead. Statutes. Yeah. Put it on your forehead. Put it on your doorpost. You still got them? Yep. When God is testifying against you, you know you're in trouble. But yeah, because there's no answer in Him. He is the best witness, <laughs> the best observer of truth. Yeah, well, you know, one of those instances where Moses called, he said, I'm calling heaven and earth mm. to testify against you or to record against you. I can't remember the exact words. I'm calling heaven and earth. Boom. <laughs> yeah. The main witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hebrews says, men swear to God, 
or men swear upon God because he is a higher authority. But God has no higher authority of which to swear by, so he just says things, <laughs> and they, they're true. <laughs> and that's good enough. Yeah, and, and there's also this idea of, when I hear testimony, it makes me think of the covenant promises. You know, it makes me think of, of a, the witness that God has established through his people, through his words, and it harkens back to the response, or harkens back to the promises that he's made for us. You know, so when I hear testimonies, I think everything that's happened in Scripture is proof, is a testimony. The New Testament is a testimony. The Old Testament is a testimony, a covenant, as a witness to the reality of God, to the goodness of God, to, to his love and to his promises that he's given to us. Yes. And so when the psalmist says, "We, I love your testimonies, I think we can truly, you know, when we think about it, I think we can get to that same place where we could say, we truly love God's testimonies. Yes. Reading the Bible, finding in Scripture the places where God is described as doing something. Mm -hmm. That's his testimony. Yep. There's one last word. There's, and it's word, but it's not the uh, bar. It's a, it's imra. It's the Hebrew, another word similar to debar. Uh, but it kind of denotes God's spoken, commanded, or promised things. Um, and it's just kind of along the same lines of that these are actually things that God has said. No, it's not an interpretation or an assumption that people wrote down. You know, it's not something we think God would say. It's actually or what he meant. Right. It's actually what he said. You know, like literally, these are the things that God wants us to know. Yeah. Straight from his mouth. I think that's pretty cool. What's the Hebrew for that word? Imra. Imra. Yep. Yeah, that's why I think that it's more proper, is that correct? More proper mm -hmm. to say scriptures instead of the word when you mean the Bible. Mm. Because the Bible contains more than God's word. True. It Some of the Psalms are... The devil's lies. <laughs> that's true. You can't say that's God's word. It is scripture, holy scripture. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul describes it as. And so, uh, I, I try to avoid referring to the Bible as the Word. And I used to do it all the time, just mm -hmm. because it sounded cool. There are definitely large portions of Scripture that are the Word of God. Yeah. And things that you know, repeated or quoted things from the Word of God that you could also call the Word of God, for sure. But a lot of the Psalms are man's words as well, you know, so like, they're things that people said, wrote songs about God or to God or things like yeah. that as well. Yeah, so to say all of it is literally the Word of God, um, maybe not 100% accurate, but all of Scripture is profitable 
for teaching and reproof and understanding and equipping. So we can all learn. We can learn from all of it. Yeah. Everything that's in the Bible is useful yeah. and authoritative. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I shocked a, an old preacher one time by saying, I found a lie in the Bible. You know, it was like he stuck his hand in something greasy. Hmm. Look on his face. Where? What? You shall not surely die. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we, there are lies recorded in Scripture. That's for sure. Yeah. So, we hope that you uh, appreciated the uh, understanding. We went over eight different words. Law, Torah. We went over the word debar. We went over judgments, mispatim. We went over testimonies, idat. We went over commandments, uh, mishwa. Oh, I didn't say the Hebrew for that. Mishwa. We went over statutes, hukim, precepts, pikudim, and word imra. So all together, uh, these things have similar meanings, but they are also different in their own ways. Right. So keep them. Thanks for listening. And Pay attention uh, to them. Indeed. And we'll uh, catch you next time. Yes.